0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you rena- Renaissance people! Oh my gosh, think of the world we're living in now. Okay, this is the the Ripley's Believe It or Not world—the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. So today we're going to talk about the gut-lung-immune system connection. Now, this is hugely important. Hugely important particularly when you're looking at um, the in viral insanity that's going on. Um, but now make sure you check out, because a lot of the information that we're going to present um, is not allowed on Facebook, YouTube, and a bunch of that. And and what we've done is divided our Tuesday Night True Health Tuesdays into two sections, one that I think will get by the sensors and the other that I know would not. Uh, so go to the Dr. B VIP site, and sign up so that that we can give you the PowerPoints, everything. Because as long as, as this media is up, we have got to spread this information. So go to the Dr. BVIP site, sign up for it. Also, it's going to be streamed live on Dr. BVIP, but also it's going to be streamed live on Extreme Health Academy. And we're also on library, that's lbry.tv, <clears throat> and we're on bit shoot, so please support those freedom. But here's, the, here's a cool article. Okay, this came out of Science Direct, uh, and this was this past February, just a few days ago. The um, title of the article is Potential Beneficial Role of Probiotics on Outcome of COVID-19 Patients, an Evolving Perspective. Now, this is a huge, great step forward because in just like the brainwashing of the public, the brainwashing of the doctors has been going on for months and months. Now, I subscribe to a lot of different uh, newsletters, and we're talking New England, Lancet, uh, Medscape. There's a lot of different journals that I read all the time on a regular basis. But I have never in my life seen each journal have every article in that journal on one subject, ever in 20 years of doing research. And so for the last year, every article in every journal has been on COVID, COVID in lung, COVID in diabetes, COVID in cancer, COVID in this, COVID and headaches, COVID and joint pain. And, and it's just mind-blowing. And this is, again, why they have to do this to change the, the, the world. But this, this article was amazing. So let me read the conclusions first. Um, Quote, most data show good results demonstrating that probiotics can play a significant role in fighting SARS-CoV-2 infection, also compared to their use in the past for various diseases. They seem effective in lowering inflammatory status, moreover in patients with chronic comorbidities such as cancer and diabetes, and improving clinical outcomes. I mean, just amazing. And so when we look at this, it's amazing that there is an nuclear factor catabate or it's called uh k b and this is in virtually every plant cell out there and and it has an i mean just a brilliant brilliant um graphic on how the intestinal tract and the lungs work together <clears throat> now this is hugely important because if you understand that we're all connected, I mean, you cannot have one system functioning with another. But in our insane world, uh, they're they're separating your body into pulmonary cardio physiology, you know, all the different sub structures, okay, and sub physiology, because you can't separate digestion from pulmonary function. You can't su- separate pulmonary from um, cardiac function. You can't separate these functions, it's one person. It's, it's one physiology. Now the article goes on to state now in about probiotics. Now probiotics, they were, were first established in 1892. Uh, in 1908, Metnikoff um, uh, looked at fermented milk products that it actually has helped producing properties. So this is huge. You want to learn the term microbiome. Now microbiome is everything. It's it's what you get from your parents and grandparents. It's your gastrointestinal system, the skin, the respiratory, ureter, general. And this is where all living organisms are. <clears throat> and one of the key things is in this purell insanity days. People are afraid of these, these um, germs and they're putting on a huge amount of stuff that destroys their natural microbiome. Now, microbiota is specific and this is totally different. This differs from person to person. So, if you look at the microbiome, which is the GI tract, skin, respiratory, urethra, genital, everywhere these microbes exist, and these microbes are everywhere. They help you break down nutrients. They protect you from certain um, pathogens. I mean, staph, you've heard of staph um, aureus. That's that You could have a staph-resistant staph infection. Staph epididymis protects you from staph aureus. So there's all sorts of different bugs that are beneficial to you. You are a symbiote. And um, the, the, some of the, the greatest advances now And let me read a portion of this article, quote, hence, the microbiome has its own biologic importance and should be studied as part of the entire human genome. Absolutely. That means we have such an intimate relationship with the microbiota, with the the funguses, the yeast, the parasites. Without those, we do not live. Um, So we're going to get into this, but you may be wondering why. Because we're going to cover that there has not been an undue increase in deaths um, in this past year, 2020. And you're going to see a lot of people because uh, the baby boomers are aging. And I'm going to go over the actual statistics. But why is there still a panic? Because people are now, like in California, because Newsom wants to avoid the recall, um, he is starting to slowly open up safely. Well, what, what are the criteria? Why are they doing this? If there is no increase in death rates, what is the, the, their criteria? Well, the New England Journal of Medicine came up and said that there are six trigger criteria for state COVID-19 vaccine mandates. And so all of the media and the government are trying to maintain these six criteria. Number one, COVID is not adequately controlled in the state. So that means they have to choose the cases. So it's a case epidemic. Even though there's tons of hospital beds and everything else is available, even though we're in the deep winter right now, which is the highest flu season or highest illness season, where hospital beds around the country have filled up every year for forever. um, But that's the number one thing. Number one, it's not adequately controlled. So that's why they're doing the chronic testing the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices um, has to recommend the vaccine. Of course, that's done their industry, um, you know, sheep. Um, The supply of vaccines has to be sufficient to cover the population. That's the other criteria. And available evidence about safety and efficacy of the vaccine has been transparently communicated. We're going to get into that And the state has created infrastructure to provide the vaccine without financial or logistic barriers and compensation to workers who have adverse effects from the required vaccine and a real-time surveillance of vaccine side effects. So that is what we have to get into. So first, let's look at where 80% of your immune system is. It's the digestive system. And now you've got an automatic nervous system. One part keeps you alive under stress and that's the sympathetic, or fight or flight. The other part, the rest, digest, or repair, is the parasympathetic. That means that when you put anything in your mouth that goes through the esophagus, hits the stomach, and it has to be broken down. That means if you're putting the blood pressure drug, that has to be broken down. You're putting the broccoli in there, that has to be broken down. And your body breaks that down into protein, fats, and carbohydrates. And those proteins are further broken down into amino acids, the fats into fatty acids and carbohydrates into usable sugars. Now, the digestive process is done by this vagus nerve. Now, this is huge because it comes out of the base of the brain. So does that mean if you've had a whiplash trauma or some type of stressor that you're altering digestion and vagus nerve function? Absolutely you are. And that's why if we keep looking at the three stressors, the physical, chemical, and emotional stress. But what's interesting is that vagus nerve, which does everything, it does um, nutrients, it, it does movement, motility, it does excretions and absorptions, that's only 10% of its function. 90% of the vagus nerve is sensory So just like we have this intimate relationship with our microbiome and the microbiota that are on there, we have an intimate relationship with our gut. Now, so why is 90% of that vagus nerve sensory input into the brain? Because we need to know what we're consuming or what's going in our body. And it's called the gut-brain axis. And this is huge because, again, this one talks about the interactions between the enteric microbiota and the central enteric nervous systems. So think of this. The little bugs that are living on your skin, in your eyes, in your mucous membranes, everywhere that are part of your natural being, you are a symbiote. You are a a collection of different animal species, and that allows you to thrive, okay, let me read this one um, quote: In clinical practice, evidence of microbiota and the gut-brain axis interactions comes from the association of dysbiosis with central nervous system disorders. End of quote. Now, what dysbiosis means? There's a problem with the gut and central nervous system disorders like anxiety, depression, um, autism. All of these people have consistent abnormal bowel functions. Um, there's also one, the hygiene hypothesis on the gut gut flora. And this goes on allergies, what we were talking about two weeks ago. Now, a key development of a child's immune system is the bacteria and funguses and yeast and candida and everything, all of the entire ecosystem in the gut. And if we know if the gut is healthy, the person can adapt. Um, Here's a great one out of the National Academy of Science, um, 2010 January 26. Quote origins of evolution of Western diet basis for the epidemiologic um, of chronic disease epidemiology of chronic disease. Um, quote many of the diseases associated with contemporary Western populations and spreading across the globe have arisen through discordance between our ancient genetically influenced biology and dietary, cultural, and physical activity patterns of modern science societies. Obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, um, fat lipid problem, osteoporosis, bowel disorders, all of those, even cancers, has to do with diet in origin. Why? Because if you're taking in food that's toxic, um, you're messing with your gut flora, your enteric nervous system. We know that cholesterol-lowering drugs damage the intestinal tract. We know that, that any antibiotic uh, damages the normal gut flora and allows um, yeast that, that bore holes in the intestinal tract. We know that um, polypharmacy, the average person over 65 takes seven different drugs a day, seven different drugs and nobody knows what one's going to do to 100 people, let alone, let alone seven. I mean, it is, it, it's mind-blowing to think that, um, that, that we're, we're smarter than the body. Um, so what do you do? You've got to build your gut floor and you've got to deal effectively with the stress. That means physical, chemical, or emotional stress you've got to address. But probiotics are going to be huge. Um, if you've got to look at your autonomic nervous system, because if you're in a stress state, you're not going to have healthy gut function. Um, healthy saturated fats, vitamin D3, Lugols, iodine, plant-based mineral supplements—all of that—it's huge. And if you knew that just one serving of fruit a day helps your body's immune system, that's it. Fruits and vegetables, baby. That is the key um, to, to your body recovering. I mean, just absolutely essential. When we look at lung function, and again, this is huge. Remember, you have a diaphragm. There's a breathing muscle at the base of the lungs that's innervated by um, the nerves that come out of the neck. So C3, C4, C5 keeps you alive. And that means the middle to the base of your neck, that's the nerve to the diaphragm. When you breathe in, Oxygen comes in, and these little clusters of grapes called alveoli in your, in your lungs expand. And this is where you can do that oxygen carbon oxide transfer. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait a second, we've got 80% of the immune system in the gut, and we're doing all sorts of things that destroy our gut flora and our microbiome on our skin and everywhere else. What about rebreathing in air you're supposed to exhale, like in a mask? Um, Again, this is not thought of um, where it can positively or negatively affect your immune system. Well, your lungs exhale out not just fluid, but also tissue cells, funguses. You're exhaling out things that you don't want in your body, and you're breathing in healthy amounts of oxygen. Nose breathing is hugely important. So this means that if you have... Any opportunity where you can take your friggin' mask off, take it off. And if you're lucky enough to live in a state where the leaders are more educated than uh, California, um, breathe in through the nose, but your diaphragm's got to come down. That means when you're breathing in through your nose, your tummy is coming out. You blow out, your tummy goes in. Because when you're breathing in through the nose, you're creating nitric oxide because this air actually hits your mucous membranes. Now, this is a bronchodilator and a vasodilator. What I mean by that, it opens up the the lung tubes and it opens up your blood vessels. Now, nitric oxide that you're creating by breathing through your nose increases oxygen absorption, kills bacteria, kills viruses, and boosts your immune system. That's a fact. That's an anatomy fact. Now, why these moron doctors who are in charge of the TV health are telling you to cover your nose and face, um, it's it's mind-blowing. We're going to go through a lot of different um, breathing exercises, but diaphragmatic breathing is going to be huge. But also, there's a great article out of the British Medical Journal that talked about viruses are actually beneficial for asthma. I know it seems crazy. It's almost like you're designed to live here. Antibiotics can increase in your risk of asthma, so medications are... Generally not good for you unless you have an acute problem. Vitamin C is essential for smoking um, to get that correction, and vitamin C is essential for your lungs, although you can't really say vitamin C is good for anything, even though there's a huge amount of data for it. But look at vitamin C-rich fruits like cantaloupe, strawberries, tomatoes, kiwi fruit. Oh, my God, I had a couple of kiwis last night that were Amazing. But look at vitamin A again. Vitamin A is fantastic, and this is in carotenoids. Um, it, it's absolutely fantastic for lung function because remember, your lungs, you're breathing out, okay, carbon dioxide and toxins. You're breathing in oxygen. So this uh, and carbon oxide is an acid. So just by breathing out. You're alkalinizing your system. This helps your body. Now, vitamin A, you can get from uh, beef liver, duck liver, whole raw milk, uh, fatty fish like sardines. It's been shown to have anti-cancer activities, uh, protein-rich vitamin A foods like carrots, sweet potatoes, kale, spinach. I mean, amazing. And then glutathione and antioxidant-rich vegetables. So get your nerve supply to the lungs working correctly. Make sure you don't have any restriction on your breathing and get healthy plant-based foods and supplements. I mean, there's, there's if you look at broccoli and broccoli sprouts have the highest amount of encyanates. And this is one of the greatest um, supplements out that has anti-cancer activities. And if you're concerned about Covid which doesn't look like there's a large increase in deaths at all um, look at cancer, which has six hundred and fifty thousand people dying every year so let's strengthen your immune system vitamin D is good fruits and vegetables are good now let's get into the covid stuff and this is where we're going to stop our standard um, our our standard talk because this this information may be uh, subject to uh, damaging evidence. So now, when we're looking at this, we know that uh, if you look at the world o currently, currently, if you look at it, and I looked at it yesterday, their current infected patients in the world with COVID are 25,781,273. Um, Interesting, Of in mild conditions... There are 25,824,000. That's 99.6% of all the patients have a mild case. Serious or critical cases are around 100,000. That's 0.4%. Isn't that interesting? Um, when you, again, if you're looking at this, there's about 100,000 cases that are serious um, out of 25 million, so that means, and again, those statistics are pretty accurate. So it's 99.6% of people that get this have little to no symptoms. Now, when we look at the death rate, and you're going to see this death rate all over the place. Well, know that death rates, when you get 330 million people together, you're looking at around 2.8, 2.9 million people are going to die every year. The problem is the baby boomers are getting older. That means that our population is older, so we're gonna see an increase in deaths. Now this started way back when in 2014. Typically it was around 8.3 deaths per uh, thousand. And and that has gone up. Back in 1971, it was uh, 9.5 per thousand. So death rates from 1971 have actually gone down. Okay, but now they're starting to climb up. In fact, since 2011, the death rates have been climbing up little by little. 2011, it was a 25, uh, 0.25% increase, and it's gone up every year about one2 to 1.3%. Um, and that was going from 2018-19. Now in 2020, instead of going up to 1.3%, it went up to 1.2%. So still similar increase, but nothing to, to give you an idea that there was um, a pandemic or increase in deaths by any means. However, when you look into that, you're going to see a tremendous amount of data that um, uh, it says no. There's massive numbers of deaths. So, you know, just like Building Seven fell down in the, you know, the, the World Trade Center, uh, that was never hit, burned a little bit, but fell um, rapidly, just like it was demol- demolished. Uh, steel frame buildings don't fall like you're dropping your keys. Okay, they don't fall at the speed of gravity. Uh, there's resistance each floor. But, you know, check that out. But if they can hide Building 7 and they can hide an, an airplane flying into the Pentagon, I'm telling you, they're going to be messing with the numbers for this for a while. So don't think that there's going to be an aha moment with the um, with the media. You know, CNN isn't going to say, hey, look, everything is okay. You can take your mask off. You're going to be fine. So what do we know about the vaccine that's out? Well, the vaccine is deadly. Um, when Before it came out, they were estimating because it does alter your autonomic nervous system, it does alter how your body responds to the environment and protein production. See, you're alive because each cell in your body takes in nutrients, produces proteins, and eliminate waste products. The proteins that that cell produces keeps you alive. This suppresses the proteins that your cells are producing, causes your cells to produce a spike protein that causes your immune system to develop an immune system response to your own cells. And so they knew that anaphylaxis was going to rise. And this is off of an article on Medscape. And the title of the article is Anaphylaxic Cases After COVID Vaccine Rise, but are still rare. They estimated it was going to be about 1.3% um, per million doses, um, it turns out that it's 11 times that, or about 10 times more than the, they figured. Well, let's go to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and this is the one system that they're using. So in the last month, there had been 50,611 cases um, or, or vaccine reactions reported. Now what are those vaccine reactions? Well, anaphylactic, anxiety, joint pain, chest discomfort, coughing, death. Um, Yeah, don't worry, death only occurs in about 3% of the population or 3% of the reactions reported. But when you look at this, there are some big things. Headaches, 20% of the the people that have reported to Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. But the big thing is 50,000 cases or, or reports in the first month. So this is a big deal. Now, why is it a really big deal? Well, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, only the, the Journal of the American Medical Association estimates that there's 1% to 10% of the events are reported. So if 50,000 is that means there were 500,000 injuries. If 50,000 was 1%, that means there's 5 million injuries. Um, This is, and it will be, um, again, hidden by all of the media because we are uh, shifting from our democracy into a uh, communist-type socialist environment. Now, the CDC is telling you that safeguards are in place. They're going to monitor you between 15 and 30 minutes. Uh, The problem is the nanoparticles that are in there, the technology is literally where it's altering your cells producing. And there's a quote from the Koch Institute. "Uh, In essence, we can turn off any gene we want. Wow, that's scary. And this is for a disease that according to WebMD, if you catch it, you have an 80% chance of having mild illness, and it's totally uneventful. If you're below 79 years old, okay, you have a ninety nine point percent chance of not having any issue whatsoever. Uh, it's it's mind-blowing. Um, so um, we're going to go through and talk about how this, this vaccine was studied for eight days because people... Kid- when When they're asking how to detox from a normal vaccine, um we can talk about that. There's going to be aluminum, there's going to be some adjuvants. Some of it's easy to detox, other the immune system response are harder to detox. Um, but there's this is completely unique. We know that in causing you to alter your protein production in your cells, alters your DNA expression, alters how you adapt on this planet. Uh, When you look down the road, two to three years, and some people say three to five years, where the people that got this shot can have a massive negative response. When they were doing the animal studies, and remember, they've been working on this type of vaccine since 2003. This is the vaccine for the common cold. They've been trying to work on this for, for decades. And since no one's really afraid of the common cold to sign up for this constant um, barrage of the adult vaccine schedules, um, you know, that's it. I mean, you cannot detox from this. It alters your DNA expression. So realize that this is an unproven technology. In all of the animal studies, uh, all of the animals died. They developed a good vaccine response, but when they were exposed to the viral virus, they had massive organ system failure. So we know that there is a problem. But again, look what they're in Canada. Uh, If you have a negative test, they're going to force you to quarantine in a hotel of their choosing for three days, and then you have to quarantine at home. That's if you have a negative test. If you have a positive test, uh, they send you away to a camp uh so how long will we be able to explain this information uh don't know but know that the those conspiracy wackos that were saying you know there's FEMA camps everywhere uh it it's not no longer a theory okay this is what's happening to our population we get back our world by taking back our world you are not forced to wear a mask don't wear it Okay, breathe fresh air and disseminate and spread this information. Join Extreme Health Academy. Join the Dr. BVIP. Go to Mercola.com. Um, share Tony Robbins' information. I mean, share this data and information so we can take back our world. Otherwise, we have got a socialist, communist dictatorship coming up. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you. I love you.